Hello everybody, um, as has been said, uh, my name is Nat, um, I'm part of Revelation Church Manchester, have been for about a year or so, and it's so great to see you all again. Um, it feels like it's been you know, a month of not being live, it feels really nice to now be able to be back here again, and wasn't worship great? I just thought it was so good, I thought it was so uh, wholesome, you can hear those truths, and um, it really sort of feeds into some of the things I'm hoping to talk about this morning, which is also just fantastic, and proof that God's really at work this morning. As has been said, this is a one-off message rather from the book of Joshua. We're going to be looking at chapter one and verses one through to nine. So if you've got a physical copy of the Bible like me here, or you've got it on a, another device that isn't the one that you're watching this through um, on a tablet or a phone, then get it up on there as well. Before I read through it though, I want to add, provide a bit of context as to why this passage and what's going on up to the point where we enter into it. So about a month ago, I said to Duncan, oh, I really feel like I want to preach something up on Joshua. And then hilariously, a couple of weeks ago, Duncan did his message that was based upon in Genesis 15. And this kind of narrative of sort of, and he spoke about, sorry, of um, living through faith and that's how Abraham, you know, was able he believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness and about living by faith. And kind of funnily, I remember thinking afterwards, oh, no, that's kind of something that I was going to talk about. And it's good because it means that God's really wants to ram home this message of living by faith in times such as this. So where the narrative is at the moment, from Abraham, he was given the promise by God of having multiple descendants that would become like this, sort of this great nation, this people of God, that they would be fully committed in a relationship with God. It would be really close. And that there'd be some sort of land they'd get to inherit and dwell upon, where they'd be connected with one another, connected with God, connected with their environment, a very much like a sort of utopia, if, as you would. Issue is, is that over time, as you might have heard if you were around and you heard our Joseph series, that actually this people of God grew, but they were in Egypt. And then after what happened through Josh, with Joseph, rather, was that then these people were then sort of enslaved. And then God picks out this chap called Moses and Moses leads the people out of there and onto sort of the precipice of entering the land that God has given them. And Moses was the guy, he was the go-to guy, the way that these people connected with God. He was sort of the go-between. And where we get to with this passage here is actually that Moses has just died. He's just passed away. And the people of God you know, Moses was so important. They must have really clung to his every word, must have been so dependent upon him. Now that he's gone, there might be questions ringing through their minds and ears of, well, what's going to happen now? Are we actually going to see the promises of God come into fulfillment? Are we going to be able to do this? What's going to happen next? What, what now? And I couldn't help but think, when I was thinking about what they might be thinking, that it sort of mirrors how we might be feeling as well in the midst of this pandemic, that, you know, it's September and your schools are starting, universities are soon to restart as well. It feels like a natural jumping off point into a new season. And yet we're still meeting as a church through Zoom as we were a few months ago. There's still a lot of uncertainty about people returning to work. What happens when the furlough scheme ends? There's so many questions and so many what ifs and where's God? And I feel like this passage that I'm now going to read through, we can pick some things out of it that can really help us get to grips with who God is and what he's doing and where we can go with it. So I hope you're on board with me. Hope you're ready. 
Um, if you haven't got a Bible, the words will appear on the screen. I'm going to read it for it now. So Joshua chapter one, verses one through to nine. After the death of Moses, the son, servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is great. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the lands that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I don't know about you, but that passage is so rich. God speaks throughout most of it. And what he says is just so amazingly good. Um, I could spend hours talking about it, but I'm really just going to narrow home in on the first opening couple of verses where God begins to speak. And hopefully it will give us an idea of who God is how he's speaking to Joshua in this time, how he might be speaking to us now, and then where we can go from there. So I'm just going to jump in about through heart, halfway through verse one, and I'm going to read this first bit that God says. So it says, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. This is what God says. First thing, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's God's opening statement. It's a rather obvious statement. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find when obvious statements are made from people in sort of authority or positions of power, I find it quite irritating. I'm a big sports fan and football, and usually there are experts or what they call pundits that at halftime or at the end of a match, they're there to give you some insights as to what's gone on. And there are some in particular who don't really give don't for me anyway at least give me much fresh insight it feels like they're telling me things I already kind of know and it's really easy to just switch off and think I'm not really going to pay attention here there's nothing really new for me and we could perhaps think that in this moment that Joshua might feel kind of similarly he might be like I know this is the problem I'm incredibly grief-stricken the man who I looked up to and revered for all of my life has now passed away, gone on, and now we're unsure about what's really going to happen next. Because you see, Joshua is just a person like you and I with emotions and insecurities, hang-ups, feelings perhaps of past failings or bruises that he's had throughout his life. It might be difficult to think, well, I really, all the situations, all of this emotion 
can almost act as like um, lenses in the glasses that really that get fogged up and the situation gets uh, like, becomes really blurry and it means that you can't really focus on God in the same way or you feel like you kind of want to switch off. But I think it's really important that we really think about what God is saying in this statement and what it might actually mean. That Actually, I think there is a deeper insight into what's going on here. I feel like when God is saying this opening statement, what he's actually doing is not just stating the obvious, but rather he's going quite deep. And I mean deep in this way. He's able to say to Joshua, I know the biggest problem that you are facing. And I know what's going on. And I'm in this. I can't, we're not just seeing this, but I'm in this. And I know what's going on. And this is a God that's not like a, a distant, uh, dictatorial kind of God in the way that society sometimes portrays him, but rather, as Matt shared in his wonderful sermon during our summer series, that God is an eternal, loving, communicative and present father. He is a better father than any father we can ever come across in our life on earth. He is so good and he's, he sees everything that's going on, not just in our lives, but in Joshua's life, in the life of the people of Israel, across this entire globe of people now and to come. And yet he knows exactly what's going on in Joshua's heart and mind. And it's true for me and you as well. How good is it to know that God is fully with us, present in our situation, and he knows what's bugging us and what's going on inside of us. So perhaps that's really what God is getting at here. He's trying to say, I'm with you in this. I'm fully for this and I'm with you. And you might be thinking, okay, right. Well, it doesn't necessarily deal with the emotions that I'm carrying at the moment or the questions that I've got. So maybe God's now going to start immediately giving Joshua some reassurances of what's going to happen. And although God does do that, it's not the first thing that he goes straight into. The next three words that God says after that opening statement are this. Now, therefore, arise. So this is in verse two. Again, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, so in this moment, therefore, because of what's going on, because Moses has passed away, because of the pain and the grief that you are feeling, arise, get up. Go, do. And I don't know about you, but when I'm carrying the weight of different emotions and burdens of troubles and trials, I find it really hard to be able to focus on God. Like, as I said before, like that analogy of the glasses, that I feel like my glasses get really blurry and foggy and I can't focus on God. And what I feel like God is encouraging us to do in this time is actually kind of that second fulfilled, second thing that God wanted to promise to Abraham was that there'd be a great people, but that there would be this close relationship. This intimate way of speaking with one another. And now intimate ways of speaking between God and man and, and, and even between lovers on earth doesn't necessarily mean that it's always lovey-dovey. Sometimes it's about speaking out the really deep questions and really being brutally and totally honest about how we're feeling and how we're doing. Because it's easy to just try and do what God is saying, just to go and arise and just do 
and shut off the emotions and clamp them down and just try and just power through each day. And to be honest with you, that's how I've been feeling this past couple of months during this sort of coronavirus living. It's that day by day, just plodding on through, trying to go through the motions, just doing the work that I can do, going to sleep, getting up again and just doing the same thing. When I'm talking with God, just going through the motions and not really engaging with it. And what I found was that as I did that, like my capacity to be able to deal with situations was just getting worse and less and less and less. Because I believe that we all have a God-given capability, a capacity, what we can cope with and deal with. I think that's a biblical concept. In Psalm 23, this is a bit of a side note, but I'm going to say it. In Psalm 23, a really well-known passage in, in secular society in the West, it says in there that my cup overflows. And although in that section it's talking about how God's joy is what's poured into us, it gives a sense that a cup, you know, it copes with a certain capacity or volume. And I think that's true of us. It's like my cup, my soul, my heart only has a set ability of what it can cope with. And if it's full of emotions and disappointments and struggles and trials and trauma, it's really hard to then sort of put it aside and engage with God and see him for who he is. And as I said, I've been going through these past couple of months living that way. And it all came to a head about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, where I just sort of came apart before my wife Fran and um, before God and just went, God, I've got so many questions. Why is this pandemic here? Why is it happening now? Why hasn't it gone away yet? Why can't I just see my friends? Why can't I do church in the normal way that I'm used to? Why can't I just see my friends? Why can't I give them a hug? Why can't I see my family in the way that I normally would? And then on top of that, there's some personal things that I've been going through. An immediate family member of mine has been diagnosed with stage four cancer. It sort of came out of nowhere. Just all of that stuff just really gets in the way. My cup felt like this one felt incredibly full. But what I did is I started to unload this stuff to God. Is that my cup started to, I'm not going to pour it because I've got a bit of coffee in here, but that's go everywhere. As I said, Fran, my wife would be really annoyed, but I started to empty it out. And as I emptied myself and brought these questions to God, not necessarily wanting a response, but just saying how I felt, rather than it leading me into despair, actually it allowed me to have capacity to be able to see God again, for my glasses to become clear and be able to focus on this God who is close and present and eternal and loving and compassionate and generous and best of all, for me. And from that position, we can then go and do. And I think that's what God is calling Joshua to in in this passage and he's calling us to in this time. To be able to move into a closeness with him where we are able to be brutally honest, where we allow ourselves to ask those questions and bring them to God. He is able to deal with them. He will not be taken aback or knocked off course just because you're asking deep, quite tough questions. He's able to cope with it. As I said, he is eternal. He is sovereign. He's able to cope with it. And he's a father. He cares. And he wants to know how you're doing and how you're feeling. And he's with you. 
And more than that, God then goes on with Joshua in this passage and for us in our lives. He gives us promises, things that we can hold on to, not just a close relationship, but actual promises of things that God is going to do. And in this passage, there are not just like a backpack full of promises, but like a whole fleet of suitcases full of promises, some incredibly specific about the land they're going to inherit, some very general, such as the end of verse five, I will not leave you nor forsake you. God is with us and his promises are there for us to cling on to, to give us a fuel for the fire of faith, to be able to get up and go and do the closeness of relationship with promises that we can cling on to. This then means that we can now have full faith that God is able to make promises and to keep them. Now, the eagle-eyed amongst you might have noticed that as I was reading through the passage at the beginning in verses 7 and 8, it sounds like Joshua's got things to do. That the book of the law shall not depart from his mouth. He's got to meditate upon it, be careful to do all that is according to it. But the good news is, is that the promises of God now are not dependent upon us or what we do. Because if a man who acts as the go-between between us and God, and he's better than Moses, he won't pass away because his name is Jesus. In Jesus, the man who lived a perfect life, never put a foot wrong in anything that he did. He knows our aches and pains because he tread upon this earth. He was a man, a person like you and me. And yet when he died upon the cross, what he did was he fulfilled these promises. He fulfilled the requirements of us so that now when we put our faith in Jesus, it's credited, as it was to Abraham, credited to us as righteousness, which means that we now have access to a relationship with God our Father. We have access to promises that we can hold on to in deep, dark, desperate times. And not just only in our lives right now, but because Jesus died and then rose again three days later, from the, as we know from the Easter story, it now means that these promises are not just true for this life, but they're true for the next as well. What an offer that we've been given here by God. If we put our faith in Jesus, if we put our full hope, lean fully into him, then we now get to have access in a relationship with an eternal father who's with us for us, whose sovereign plan means that he knows how it's going to end and he is, and nothing that we do is really going to change the course of that. All the promises that he makes are fully dependent upon himself being able to fulfill them. And how good is that to know that as we go into this time and church feels a bit different and we're meeting over Zoom, it's not quite the same. And it's really easy to feel like home groups aren't the same either. And it's really hard. It can feel like maybe it's easy just to, easy just to switch off or just to go through the motions. But no, God is yearning for us to go deep with him, to put our faith in him, to have access to this wonderful, close relationship that's on offer to us in this life and the next. And to a whole heap of promises that God is for you and is with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So now for us individually and corporately as a church, as Revelation Church Manchester, we can now have the strength to pick ourselves up, well, God's really to pick us up, so that we can therefore arise and go and do. And that might look different for us in this time. What getting up and arising might look for each of us might be different. For some of us, it might just be that this is now a time for in the quiet place, in the hidden place of just being at home for most of the time of our day-to-day -day life. You can get close and intimate with God and you can really delve deep into a close relationship with him and really build it. So you've then got a foundation, a building block of closeness with God. For some of you, it might mean that you're now having to explore different ways of sharing your faith and different ways of living out the life that God has now called you to, of freedom of, and, and one, of, and one of, of peace in amidst the madness of life. And that can be just sharing your faith through your social media streams. It might be, you know, being intentional about and having to meet up with people. It's hard at the moment, but we're having to be mega more intentional than ever before. It's much harder. It's much, you know, we haven't got those twice a week opportunities to see people at church. Let's be intentional about meeting up with one another and with friends and family that we don't that don't know Jesus. Let's go for walks with them, be socially distant, but let's let's be with them and share with them the good faith and hope that we have that in the midst of this madness and the darkness, that Jesus, that God is the light and that he is with us and for us and will lead us through it. And he is not restricted by social distancing policies. God can still work and he can still fully move. And I'm also aware, as I'm saying this, there are some of you perhaps that are still feeling in that place of lots of emotions and burdens and trials. I just want to say that God, he wants you to share yourself with him. And it can be quite difficult to do that, to share yourself with somebody else. But God's for you, he's with you. Please open up your heart, I would encourage you, I'd implore you to open up your heart to him. Let him speak to you, because even if you don't see it or feel it at the moment, he is working and he is moving. And I believe that as a church, as we get deep in our relationships with God, as we grow in openness and honesty with him, as we cling on to promises and we tell them to ourselves day by day to let our cups be filled with hope and promise, we can then therefore arise Go and do and be God's people on earth, knowing that him, he himself, God, will fulfill his promises, that he will be the way maker. And that in this season, he will be able to do more than we could possibly ever believe or imagine. And that we can hope for him in this. We're going to sing a song in a minute. Rob's going to um, hopefully pick up his guitar and get ready. And um, I can't actually see you, Rob, on the screen, but. Hopefully you'll be ready shortly. But as we sing this song, we're going to sing that song Waymaker again. I want you to sing it. I want you to sing that bridge with it. Even when I don't feel it or see it, he's working. You never stop working. And to say it with faith, lean into him. God is working and moving and he can do more than you can think. And he is the waymaker. He is the one that can lead us to grow as a church spiritually and in number in this time. And that he'll be the one to lead us. He will be the one to set the tone for us. All we've got to do is believe in him, have faith in him, that he will be who he is and that he will do all that he says. Robert, to you. <laughs> 